This is the Talk Theater in Chicago interview podcast. I'm your host this week, Ann Nicholson-Weber, and I'm joined today by Tanya Palmer and Rebecca Rugg. Tanya Palmer is the Director of New Play Development at Goodman Theater. Rebecca is the Artistic Producer at Steppenwolf Theater. And they're joining me to talk about um, the two New Plays initiatives that they're respective theaters are running this fall, the First Look Festival at Steppenwolf and the New Stages Amplified uh, series at Goodman Theater. So welcome to you both. I think the process of developing new plays is mysterious and perhaps more involved and complicated and lengthy than many theater goers may realize. So um, maybe we could talk first for each of your institutions, what's the rationale for this particular form of new play promotion and development? So, Tanya, why don't you start with the Goodmans? Sure. Um, well, this year we're doing this this uh, series called New Stages Amplified, which um, we've been doing something called the New Stages series for this will be the, the ninth season coming mm-hmm. up. Um, and every year what we've done in the past is we've read – six new plays. And essentially the purpose of that has been um, to either uh, invite in new work that we have no relationship to. So writers that we're interested in, we've read their play, we think it's promising and we think it might be something that the Goodman would be interested in producing in their season. Mm-hmm. So we include it in the series and it's an opportunity for us to hear it, to hear it in front of an audience. And if we don't have a relationship to that writer, to meet the writer and just kind of get a sense of, is this somebody that we'd want to work with? Does Mm -hmm. this seem like a good match? Mm -hmm. Um, So this year we're doing it in a different way. um, And I would say it's much more of a development opportunity in some ways than it has been in the past. And what we're going to do is uh, we're taking three of the plays and rather than doing readings, we're going to do productions, but sort of scaled down um, productions. They'll be slightly truncated rehearsal processes from our regular productions, mm-hmm. but much more rehearsal than we got for the readings. So they'll mm-hmm. get three weeks of rehearsal um, and they will be fully staged, designed, um, but it'll be, you know, sort of minimal production values. <laughs> Essentially, practically what we're doing is taking the budget for a production in the Owen mm-hmm. and rather than doing one play, we're doing three plays. But I think this year we really felt like we had a lot of plays um, that we've been developing in different ways, commissions or plays that we had done readings of in the past, um, things that we were interested in that we were really excited about, but felt like they needed a little more time mm-hmm. to develop and a little more um, nurturing. And it seemed like this could be an opportunity for us to do that in a in a deeper way than just doing another reading of something. And the hope is that, um, you know, that these plays would then be able to have a fully realized production in the future, at either Goodman. here at the Goodman mm-hmm. or, you know, or elsewhere. Mm-hmm. And Rebecca, is how would you describe the Steppenwolf mm-hmm. first look series in contrast to that? Um I mean, some things are very similar, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, first Look is a chance for us to do, in comparison to our subscription season, scaled-down productions um, of new plays. Um, you know, I think that there's something really great for new plays about being in a scaled-back um, producing situation because the focus can be on the text. Mm-hmm. And, you know, at Steppenwolf, because it's an actor's theater, the focus can really be on acting mm-hmm. and on the encounter, the first encounter um, between actors and the characters in the play. Mm-hmm. And so, um, you know, 
I think without all the bells and whistles of a huge design budget and a huge theater, you know, you know, being in a very intimate space of kind of 80 seats. I think um, these are in the garage. Is mm-hmm, that right? Yeah. In the garage. Mm-hmm. Yeah, these are produced in the garage. Um, it sort of puts pressure on the text in a way to um, crystallize as best it can. Mm-hmm. So I think that's the sort of philosophical impulse behind why do these plays in a scaled down manner. Um Relative to institutional kind of priorities, I think, you know, Steppenwolf has been commissioning plays and um, always wanting to produce as many of the plays we commission as possible and not have them sort of lost in some kind of, you know, development phase. And so I think First Look, um, you know, was something conceived in order to be able to produce as many new plays that were coming out of our commissioning um, program as possible. And then also, as Tanya said, to... um, begin relationships with new writers in whom Steppenwolf mm-hmm. is interested. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I think, you know, for Steppenwolf, the idea was always that they would be developmental productions that would hopefully um, lead to a further life for the plays that were produced in First Look. And that has been the case um, more often than not. Um, you know, in the history of First Look, there uh, have been, we're going into our se- seventh um, festival this year. And so of the six, uh, first look reps that have happened, there've been 18 plays thus far produced in first look. And of those 18, 11 have gone on to receive premieres in other theaters. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think because we don't take premiere credit, um, that helps other theaters are free to, you know, sort of take on the premiere production of the plays and they seem to want to do that, which is very exciting. And I, I'm sure that it's the same. Yeah. I mean, I think with the history of new stages, um, we've been doing it for nine years and I think I counted, there were 47 plays that we'd read and about half of them. So about 25, 26 Mm -hmm. have gone on to have productions either at the Goodman or, or elsewhere. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I, I certainly think, um, as an as an industry, we look to other institutions to see what they're excited about as we're looking for plays for ourselves. So I certainly think that helps a play if right. it's had if it's been supported by another company. But yeah, I mean, I think hopefully it's because people see the plays and they're excited about them mm-hmm. and see how they could fit into to their work mm-hmm. as well. But we have come up with a similar um, plan, which is we're not taking premier credit for these. So mm-hmm. the hope is that we would be helping launch its life as opposed to sort of confining it or or taking something away from it. Mm -hmm. So um, I think it's interesting to talk about the different ways of encountering a script. And one is you just read it on the page. And both of you, I imagine, do a lot of that. You just scripts past your desk and you read them. Then I presume you could do sort of in-house readings or even just invite some actors over for dinner and read them in your living rooms to hear how they sound. And, and I think there's a surprising difference between how a play comes across if you just read it and how it comes across if you hear it, which is, of course, what's intended. Um, and then you have now kind of developed these other steps. There are the staged readings um, that both of you are running as part of your series. I got that right, didn't I, Tanya? I know that good, I mean, sorry, Steppenwolf has three stage readings and three sketchily produced shows mm-hmm. and you have yeah we also have three three staged readings mm-hmm. and three so they'll they'll happen mondays over the course of the series uh-huh. three readings so maybe you could talk um each think of an example of a script and and describe what you learn as you go from reading it on the page to 
a staged reading or just a reading to a staged reading to a production? What new information do you get about the play as it goes through that sequence? Well, I mean, you hear how it plays in time. Mm-hmm. So I think you learn something very important about the rhythms of a piece um, that you can only imagine in your mind when you're reading a play on paper. Um, and I think that um, particularly if there's a, a civilian audience of not just sort of insider theater staff present, mm-hmm. that's incredibly helpful to sort mm-hmm. of see how the play um lives and breathes in time as the, you know, from beginning to end. And I think, you know, you can learn incredibly valuable things about where it feels like um, things are taking too long, where um, things move too quickly, where it feels like the audience might be puzzled, um, you know. So I think it's about gauging an audience's reaction, but not so much like whether they find it funny or think it's great, but more sort of how it... um, the unfolding of information, how that sits in time, I mm-hmm. think is something that you gain through um, hearing a play aloud. Um, well, I, yeah, I think for me, one of the things that um, that is very different about reading something on the page and hearing it, and often the reason why I want to hear something aloud is, I mean, just kind of the interior life of it, how it, how it lands emotionally or how it, how it works, the sort of unspoken things that are not, um, that you can't actually write about, you know, mm-hmm. that, that you wouldn't want to explain in language. But sometimes it's hard to read on, sometimes I don't know on the page whether or not something is full and rich, mm-hmm. has a kind of full, rich emotional life or, or kind of world or whether or not it's just thin. Thin. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I've had the, uh, almost the opposite experience of something seeming flat, seeming too literal or too, Mm, flat-footed is the word I want on the page, and then when when an actor says it, it doesn't sound dorky. It mm-hmm. works, and then something happens. It's very mysterious, isn't it? I mean, well, but that can also be the danger of the staged reading is that mm-hmm. you know actors are incredibly compelling people. That's their job, and so you know sometimes you will. Um, you know, if you cast Meryl Streep as the maid in your play, all of a sudden you're going to think the maid needs to be the protagonist. Do you know what I mean? Or, <laughs> yes, or the, right. you know, and that's yeah. um, something that I feel like I learned from Richard Nelson when he was running the playwriting program at Yale. He was really kind of against um, staged readings. And um, I think that was his reason why is he yeah. felt like the, you know, the sort of um, enlivening of certain things by actors could um kind of send a playwright the wrong message about what was working or not working in their play, right. you know, and vice versa. I mean, yeah. I think sometimes you can have readings where it's miscast or it's not, yeah. you know, and, mm-hmm. and then things that can seem really wrong mm-hmm. that are in fact, not about the play, but mm-hmm. about the performance. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it is, I mean, it's, it's delicate. I think it's dangerous. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but one thing I will say about, you know, um, hearing something happen in the, the rhythm of it in time, in actors' voices, you know, it can be very hard because in a staged reading, you often have someone reading the stage directions. Mm-hmm. And if there are a lot of stage directions, it can actually make a reading go south. Right. Um, you know, because the rhythm of the piece is actually thrown off by all of this description. Yeah. Um, it's actually quite an art to try to figure out how much of that to put into a, a staged reading experience so that the audience is actually experiencing the play as it would unfold right? without these kind of stops in the middle of it. And of course, what the stage directions are describing can be 
key mm-hmm. to what the play is. If you don't include them, you're missing something very important. Right. But if you do, I understand your point that what you can see in a second could take a really long time, time to, to describe and land very differently mm-hmm. from being described. Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, one thing that I find exciting in a stage reading when I've had those experiences where it's like, oh, this actually, this really works is mm-hmm. those moments when, um, Sometimes it's like a plot point or it's like a kind of revelation and you don't know reading it on the page if that actually lands in any way, if it has an mm-hmm. impact. And I've sat sometimes in a room where suddenly the audience will like gasp or uh-huh. just in a stage reading and you're like, oh, that's, well, I, guess it I does. mean, that, yeah, yeah, I mean, that to me really shows like, oh, people mm-hmm. really are listening. I mean, it's funny. It's a really geeky thing. I like a staged reading. I geekily like them. I, I feel like it allows my imagination to do all of this uh-huh. work that when a play is fully produced, you know, it's sort of done for me. Well, and and maybe done differently than then you I, think it should yeah. be. <laughs> right? You're free to yeah. completely design the whole show at, yeah. the, at a reading. Well, so let me go back to something that both of you alluded to, which is the experience of working with a playwright. And I think that's something that, again, a lay audience member might not really think about, that there's more than just kind of the talent as a great writer, but there's something else that's important in a playwright that I think you were both referencing. Um, can you kind of articulate that? I mean, playwrights are different from people who work in other writing forms because they both want to sit in their room and write by themselves and they want to work with other people and mm-hmm. and the full flowering of the thing that they create actually requires other people to do it very right. different from a poet or a novelist you know right. who may need an editor or need input but i mean you know playwrights are collaborative people mm-hmm. and so they are both i think social animals and very private people um you know so that's an interesting process to be with a writer uh you know in the the moment of their creating something. It's a very Mm -hmm. privileged thing to be able to be involved in that Mm -hmm. process of creation. Mm -hmm. Uh, Did you have something to add to that, Tanya? Yeah. I mean, I think every playwright is often is kind of different in terms of how they, you know, what's useful for them, um, how they work with other people, Mm -hmm. you know, how they, how open they are to some people really rewrite in the room a lot. You know, they'll, they'll really, address things right then some people have to, to sort of take a lot in and then they'll go off mm-hmm. um so i think one of the tricks in kind of structuring any kind of program like this is to be able to be flexible to that you know and figure out what's useful because what's useful for one person or one play is not always going to be useful for something mm-hmm. else mm-hmm. i thought you might also be just suggesting that someone could write a really great play but that still needs some work and if they're a pain in the neck to deal with you're not gonna want to produce it gosh if all the pains in the neck yeah, in theater didn't get produced i mean i don't think it's I think that the personal is important, though. I don't. I don't know that it's like if you're a pain in the neck, we won't do your play. Mm-hmm. It's not a quite. A, it's not as simple as that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I do think some people are better matches for some places and the way that they work than others. I mean, I think that that you know, or or it's a matter of just figuring out where are they with this play and is it does it match what we think about where it's going. Mm-hmm. In other words, you're seeing some potential in a script, but if the writer actually is wants to to go in some completely different direction that might be problematic it might be i mean Mm -hmm. it might just not be a good match i Mm -hmm. i don't know i mean it's 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 delicate i mean i don't want to say that it's um it's all about personality because i don't think it's it's that simple you know Mm -hmm. i think that ultimately if we're excited about a play and want to do that play Mm -hmm. you know 
more excited about where he went that playwright. But I do think, you know, it's, it's, it's a personal experience putting on a play. A lot of people, you know, are involved in it and a lot of people are kind of collaborating on it. So I feel like it is a kind of getting to know each other mm-hmm. is an important part of that process. Mm-hmm. Can both, we make a good you know, both team? Both for the institution to get to know that writer and for the writer to get to know the mm-hmm. institution and to, for them to know, is this the right place for my play? Would this be a be? happy collaboration? Yeah, would this be a happy home for, yeah. for yeah. us? Yeah. And you, you, you talked, Rebecca, about that, that uh, the two modes that the playwright works in. One is sitting in his or her study alone with the word processor or the page and pen even. Um, and then coming into the room full of all these other artists who have a stake and who have ideas. And so you've put yourself in the position of having the playwright in the room at the time when he or she is making the shift from owning it completely, having complete control and knowing how it looks in his or her mind to being in a room with a lot of people who may have ideas that they may or may not <laughs> want to accept um, and learning things that may or may not be happy news to them as they're watching it unfold. So I could imagine that it's a very, you talked about it's a privileged time. I could imagine it's also a very fraught with for the writers. It can be quite fraught. And I think that um, it's something that we think about or that any institution thinks about when they're programming a new play um, relative, I think, especially to the experience of the writer. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, for us in First Look, I think it's, um, you know, you guys do three weeks of rehearsal. I think we're going to do four. And I think that's a very um, short amount of time. And you, you know, I think um, it's a disservice to a writer to bring them into that if they're not sort of at a stage in their career or have enough experience where they're going to be ready to make the most of that time. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, So that's a kind of um, dance too. It's like not just choosing the play, but also choosing a writer who's going to be able to, um, you know, uh, be able to participate as fully in that room as they are going to need to in order Mm -hmm. to make the most of the experience. And so are you saying someone who's too um, green basically might not be able to do that? Um, I guess it, it depends on the person, but Mm -hmm. that would be a concern I would have, Mm -hmm. you know, I I feel like, um, giving someone their very first production ever at Steppenwolf might not be the best idea for that writer, you know, I mean, it um, it could be a lot of pressure and, um, that might be really tough for someone. Does it go without saying in both your institutions that the rehearsal period is meant also to be a rewrite period? I mean, I think... You know, it depends on the context. I mean, I, I, I think when, when you commit, I mean, my philosophy has always been if you commit to a play, you have to be ready for, for to produce the play that you received mm-hmm. at that, you know, mm-hmm. like That's you have to, you have to accept that that could be, that, that the mm-hmm. play that you're going to do is not going to change. It may be no more than this. Yeah. Right. Um, cause otherwise I think that there's, it's not fair and there's a lot of unhappiness. Um, mm-hmm. but I would say for the most part, um, it does change because, that's part, you know, it's a, it's a process of investigation and, you know, the writers are usually open to that. They want to get people's perspectives. Mm-hmm. And when actors get into the room, when a director gets into the room, when designers get into the room and when it starts being realized, things become clear that just weren't clear on the page. Mm-hmm. It's a very special skill to, to work with a writer who's in the middle, mm-hmm. right? To, um, to not, try to rewrite their play, but to help them find a way to rewrite if rewrites are necessary. And I would imagine there are directors who are better and worse at that. Mm-hmm. Would you agree with that? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is that something you're cognizant of as you're 
putting together the playwrights and the directors. Yeah, absolutely. And how does a director kind of get a reputation and what are the qualities in that director that make them good when they're working with a new play and a new, and a a playwright in the room? They have to have a, a incredibly sharp intellectual sense of dramatic structure, Mm -hmm. um, and language. Um, you know, I mean, I think there are some directors who are, for instance, fantastic at creating spectacle and stage pictures and beauty on stage. Mm-hmm. Um, that person might also be brilliant about dramatic structure, but they might not. That mm-hmm. might be their gift, mm-hmm. you know? Mm-hmm. So I think that, um, you know, I think people who have those qualities of being extremely smart about narrative and dramatic structure gravitate towards doing new plays. Mm-hmm. And so then they begin mm-hmm. to gain experience um, and you know, you just kind of know who those people are based on their resume and having been in the room with them and listen to them being really smart, mm-hmm. um, engaging around those issues. Right. So. Mm-hmm. Well, let's just quickly talk about, I know you have, I mean, we haven't talked so much about the audience mm-hmm. and that obviously is the big difference between the living room reading and the stage reading or the, the production. Um, I know you've talked, particularly Rebecca, you talked about that feeling of just reading the audience. Is there more that you do in terms of trying to get audience feedback and, you know, specifically solicit how people were feeling as they watched it? Well, we've tried to, I mean, um, you know, this year, obviously we're doing a whole new thing. And and one of the things we're doing this year, which we haven't done in the past is we're doing post shows after every performance so Mm -hmm. that we'll be engaging with the audience in that way. Mm -hmm. And we're sort of in conversation about other ways of engaging with the audience. And when we're we have other events around the festival. We have a something called an artist talk, which is an opportunity for people to come and hear from the playwrights, mm. you know, sort of a panel discussion where they talk about their process. Do those um, tend to be before? Are you expected those to? Those tend to be before or sort of early in the run. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So hopefully the audience hears the playwright first before they see the exactly, show. Right? Mm-hmm. Exactly. And then we'll have these discussions mostly with the playwright in the room mm-hmm. at following the shows. Mm-hmm. But I mean, I think it's always, you know, and we've tried different things in the past. Sometimes we do post shows. Sometimes we haven't. Sometimes we've done, um, you know, like a form where people answer questions. Um, sometimes we haven't. I mean, it's, it's, and I, and I think, you know, one thing that I find is you gain a lot just from being in the audience and listening to the audience. Mm-hmm. That those gasps you talked yeah, about, those for gasps, instance. Or, or when mm-hmm. people are, when people are engaged and when they're sort of checking out. Mm-hmm. Um, Who's in the room? Who's mm-hmm. laughing? Who's not? All of those things that are sort of uh, just them being an audience. Mm-hmm. I feel like you learn a great deal. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, that's always, I, I feel like it's, I don't know. I don't feel like I have an answer of like, here's the way to get audience feedback for a writer. Because also every writer is different in terms of what they want, you know, what they're open to hearing at a given mm-hmm. moment. Yeah. And um Sometimes that feedback can be misleading, I think, because an audience may know how they felt but not why, and yet they may offer an explanation. The problem was this. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think those kind of post-shows are terrible, you know, when Mm -hmm. people are being advice-giving about Mm -hmm. the work. Let me rewrite your play Yeah, I mean, that's just never good. And so is it explicitly the moderator's job to kind of nip that in the bud and take the discussion another well, way? I, don't, I mean, at Steppenwolf, we do a post-show discussion after every single performance of every show we do. Mm-hmm. And um, those are um, not um, occasions where the artists come out on stage and receive feedback. It's usually um, someone on the artistic staff leads the discussion, mm-hmm. maybe someone um, who's involved with the show. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And really, we try to have our audiences speak to each other about the experience of the play and mm-hmm. to engage in dialogue mm-hmm. um, about the themes of the play, the ideas they are having in relationship to it, but not so much about the um, mechanics it. of mm-hmm. the piece itself. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so and we do that during first look as well. And, you know, um, that's particularly interesting during preview performances when the play is still in rehearsal and has a, you know, the the artistic team of the play has a chance to go back and make changes based on um, audience feedback. You know, mm-hmm. if we find that audiences are overwhelmingly confused about some aspect of the play that we thought was crystal clear, right. then, you know, that offers an opportunity to go back and try to clarify something, mm-hmm. you know. And in that way, I mean, I think it's an amazing thing you know theater is such a democratic art form and completely happy to respond to the needs of the audience you know the right. drama's laws the drama's patrons given i think preview performances say that again but that's isn't that a famous quote the drama's laws the drama's patrons give ah uh, um uh-huh the uh you know and i think in the case in our modern theater preview performances are where that really happens you know where the mm-hmm. artistic team of the show and the director and the writer will stand in the back and watch the audience watch the show right you know, and after a post-show discussion, hear what they were interested in and then go back into rehearsal the next day and think about how to respond to that. So, but now for these these two first um, new play series, you don't have the equivalent of previews, do you? We do. We oh, have do. We, we have a, um, a whole week of performances mm. prior to um, the press coming, and we've built into that week an opportunity for the um, shows to – they continue to rehearse, and they have um, increased tech time. We have a similar – we don't have a week, unfortunately, but we have, we have two blocks of rehearsal time po- post – performances so that they can go back in and rework fix things and is the understand what is the understanding with respect to reviewers are these open game yeah i mean that's something we've been talking about a lot i mean you know our sense is given that it's um open to the public we're charging for tickets all of those things that we in some ways can't refuse to have Mm -hmm. critics there Mm -hmm. and i think for the life of the play it can be useful to have that press coverage and certainly Mm -hmm. for selling tickets it's useful um but what we're trying to do is communicate as much as possible that these are shows baby development (laughs) i mean well that they're that they're still you know that they're still transforming and changing and that it's less about the product and more about the process. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What that means to critics, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's been a long conversation at Seven Wolf that I know about only in receiving it because I'm still relatively new on staff there. But I know that at first with First Look, um, Stephen Wolf really didn't want critics to come, didn't want reviews. And then for the exact reasons that you say, Tanya, you know, our local critics, you know, if you're, if you're selling tickets, then we need to be allowed to come. And so right. it's been an ongoing conversation to really – um, ask them to review in the context of developmental productions without yeah. trying to qualify the work because we are quite proud of the work. Right. Um, right. And I agree. I mean, I think that, you know, um, actually being reviewed can further the life of the play. I think what's very hard in Chicago um, with this repertory that Steppenwolf does, and I'll be interested um, to see how this uh, continues in the future or what your experience is of it here at Goodman, is that, um, you know, the... Uh, critics tend to um, sort of rank the plays Mm -hmm. and um, Mm -hmm. really look at them relative to each other, which I think is really too bad. Um, It seems to me really unfortunate that they can't be examined on their own terms as they would be if we were producing them separately. separately. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. I think this is the... um, 
the real downfall of um, the way that the critical establishment sees the repertory festival. Mm -hmm. I mean, it just, um, it it gives me great heartache when, you know, uh, one of three productions is, um, actually, I think the worst case scenario is when one of three is kind of dismissed. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, if something's going to review badly, that's a legitimate sort of critical interaction. But when one just like doesn't Mm -hmm. interest them and doesn't get very much space relative to two other plays, that seems really, that's too bad. Yeah. yeah, I spent, I was, I worked at Actors Theatre Louisville for mm-hmm. many years and it, that was, it was the saddest part of sort yeah. of the critical response at the end of the festival was, mm-hmm. you know, all of these pieces which were just, which we spent a lot of time trying to pick plays that were distinct from each other and that were really sort of addressing things in a very different way, coming from mm-hmm. different perspectives, mm-hmm. different styles. And that, yeah, there was like always a winner and a loser and then, and then everything in between, which sometimes only got a sentence. Yeah, it's just, mm-hmm. and it kind of killed yeah. the life of that play. And so that's, that's the real danger. I mean, I think, you know, it's interesting to hear what critics have to say. And I certainly don't want to, I, I certainly feel like, yeah, we're proud of the work. I think, you know, the plays are exciting. We wouldn't be doing them otherwise. Right. It's not that we feel like they can't be, they're not deserving of that. But I just, I just hope that, um, they can be given, you know, that respect. That they, to that be they evaluated each, on their own terms. On their own terms. Each their own terms. Right. They're all very different. Yeah. Right. They just happen to be being produced together exactly. for basically administrative reasons. That's because we yeah. like them all. Yeah. Not <laughs> because we want them to be compared. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Rank order. Yeah. Yeah. Well, um, just quickly, the First Look Festival is in? Uh, it's uh, October 26th to November 20th. Uh-huh. Um, and Goodman. And uh, New Stages Amplified is October 13th to November 20th. So they actually overlap. It's going to be a do. lot of stuff going on um, all at once in a new place yeah. in Chicago. Thank you so much for joining me Thank to talk you. about it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.